Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. If you brought your owner's manuals, let's look at uh, the book of Acts. The book of Acts, I think. Man, I had some. I got up at about 3.30 this morning and was like, hmm. Something else on my heart, but I just want to go a different direction today. The book of Acts, chapter 2. I think we might just start teaching out of the book of Acts for a while. I don't know. You know, I say that and then feel something different the next week. But we've been talking about this theme called Captivated. Everybody say Captivated. And just some things that the early church did, the people of Scripture did, predominantly New Covenant and, and onward did. That really made them captivated. I looked up Webster's definition of captivated this morning. This is what it said. It says this. To influence and dominate. This is Webster's definition, by the way. To influence and dominate by some special charm. That's what I did to my wife. I'm, I'm just, this is powerful. <laughs> to influence and dominate by some special charm, art, or trait. And with an irresistible appeal. See, y'all were like, y'all were like, okay, where is it at? That's it. But seriously, I'm gonna read it again to, to captivate, to influence and dominate by some special charm, art, or trait, and with an irresistible appeal. So think about it. The church of Jesus Christ in the early church, they dominated, as it were with an irresistible appeal. For the early church to survive the persecution from Jews and the power of the Roman Empire, both of which were much older than them and larger by multiplied thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, but yet now the Roman Empire no longer exists and the church of Jesus Christ is still going on today. They had an irresistible appeal to the culture. I don't have time to read a lot of stories, but I, I should have just, I would love to read some church history stories with you about how early Christians were persecuted. And a lot of times, even on their deathbeds, when they were getting ready to be persecuted, they would lead their persecutor to Jesus. Why? Because they had an irresistible appeal. Right? And I just want to read some scripture to you that I think we have to not just get back to, we got to learn to live out again about, about the early church. And I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2. This is what it says. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Kaylee, matter of fact, maybe put that up in New King James. You got that? New King James, because I was going to read from ESV. Let me read New King James with you. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Next verse. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly there came a sound from church. No, a sound from heaven. Sounded like a rushing mighty wind. It wasn't a rushing mighty wind, but it sounded like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. 
And there appeared to them divided tongues like a fire, and one sat upon each of them. So this massive fire appeared in the room, and this massive fire divided up. And so there were 120 people in this room, and so this fire divided itself up into 120 different flames. And then fire sat on them. Fire sat on them. Okay, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, as the Spirit led them to do. Next verse. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, watch this, from every nation under where? From every nation under heaven. Verse 6. I want to make sure I'm tracking myself here. And when this sound occurred, what was the sound? Well, the sound was twofold. The sound was the wind that came in the room, and the sound was the language that was being heard in the room. Something was being said by the people in the room, but there was also a happening at the same time. And there was fire setting on people. Like crazy stuff. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused. Can you understand why? They were confused because... Remember, these, this right here is specifically talking about everybody that happened to be at Jerusalem from under every nation, under heaven. They're there, and these people are saying this. This is confusing. But why in the world am I hearing them speak in my own language, and they're not from where I'm from? And they didn't have Rosetta Stone. Next verse. Then they were all amazed, and they marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these people from Edmund? Right? Are not all these people from Galilee? Keep on going. And how is it that we hear each in our own language, in our native language in which we were born? Amazing. Keep going. And, and he, I'm not going to read all of this, but these are the nations that were there in verse 9. Go to verse 11. The last ones, by the way, these are people that were creeps. The Cretans, anyway, and the Arabs. We hear them speaking in our what? Own tongues. What did they were hearing tongues, which tongues then was actually another language from another place on the planet. The, <laughs> the people speaking didn't know what they were saying, but the people from those other nations who spoke that language knew what they were saying. We don't know what they were saying, but the essence of what they were saying was this. And we hear them speaking in our tongues the what? The wonderful works of God. That is absolutely insane to me. Next verse. So they were all amazed, duh, and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Next verse. And others were mocking them, said, you know what? These folks have been drinking. They've been having a really good service up there in that room. They're full of new wine. Right? But Peter, standing up with the 11, because Judas didn't make the trip, standing up with the 11, raised his voice. And he said to them, you men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. You can't even buy alcohol at this time. That's what he was saying. Literally, you cannot buy alcohol at this time. You can in a couple hours, but not right now. Right? Sorry. The, where I'm from, they're called ABC stores. It's funny. But this is what? What you see happening, 
He gives context to what they see happening. He reaches back several hundred years. This is a prophecy that was spoken by the prophet Joel that you see getting fulfilled. And the prophecy was this. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. That I will pour out my spirit on who? No. What he really meant to say was, I'm going to pour my spirit out on the ones who say the prayer. That's just not what, anyway. I, I love the mess with religious people. I will pour my spirit out on Christians. No. I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. What? All flesh? That didn't happen. Why? Your sons and your daughters are going to what? Prophesy. If you didn't know this, this is permission for you to speak that over your own kids, by the way. Your young men will see and your old men will dream. I started dreaming dreams. I'm like, man, I'm not young anymore like I used to be. And on my men servants, which was normal. I'm going to pour out my spirit. This next was not normal. And on my maid servants, on men and women. Right? Judaism was a male dominated faith. And most faiths are. You know why they're male dominated? Because they're created by men. Anyway. But I'm going to pour my spirit out on men and women in those days. And they will all what? Prophesy. Next verse. And I'm going to show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood, fire, and vapors of smoke. Verse 21 says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, they shall. Let me just stop there. Father, thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Everybody say captivated. Come on, one more time. Say captivated. Got a long way to go in a very short time to get there. I know people... Want to go watch the Super Bowl? How many of you guys have a Super Bowl party scheduled today? Anybody? At 5.30? Super Bowl's 5.30? So everybody go to Enid, to Jason's house at 5.30. Check him out. He'd love to see you. All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. How many people heard a statement like this before? I read this on social media this week, and I said, I really would love to message that person, but I'm not going to do it. They said, basically, this, this is a guy back from where I'm from, and this is a major mindset of Christians where I'm from, is that our number one goal is to win souls. I'm still trying to find that scripture in the Bible, but it is like this big thing. Our number one goal is to win souls. And if I've heard one sermon about winning souls, I'm telling you, I've heard 100 growing up. But most of the people that were... Soul winners were not Jesus lovers where I grew up, <laughs> but they were soul winners, right? Really, we were professionals at preaching on sin, and we were good at it, too. I mean, we had, you know what Paul calls preaching the law and to the church of Corinth? He literally calls it the ministry of condemnation. That was our ministry. I could condemn you. We were great condemners. He calls it the ministry of what? condemnation and then he even calls it a ministry of death you know what's going to lead you to so we, we we were perfect at pointing out what people did wrong and saying things like this if you don't get that right god's gonna get you right we preach god the father which jesus never called god god he always called him father the in the scripture jesus called god jesus called father god twice and that was when he was hanging on the cross and he was actually quoting Psalms 22, the Messianic Psalm. Every other time, he called him Father. Just by the way. 
He called him Abba or Papa. That's what he called him. And I, I love to let Jesus define my faith, not American Christendom. Just want to put that out there to you. We were great at the ministry of condemnation and telling people where they missed it. We called ourselves soul winners. We could have been called soul distancers because we distanced people from the God of the Bible. And we did it really, really well. And so our churches were always small, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 people or less because, and we took pride in that, like, you can't have a large church if you're doing things right, right? That's what we thought. But we had a ministry of condemnation. We, if people did anything wrong, we magnified that portion of their life without focusing on anything else. And we were by nature soul winners. So when you became a Christian, it's like you became a what? A soul winner. They taught us nothing about Jesus. I had a conversation with someone in the church this morning about just how, you know, we both grew up in those ministries where, you know, very performance oriented. Watch this. It is possible in America to be influential for Christ and yet not be intimate with Christ. Did you hear that? You can go to churches that are large in stature, have phenomenal reach on social media, and hear sermons, even go to conferences that are through the roof because they invite you know, the big namers and people come and hear nothing about Jesus. And so is it about being influential or is it about being intimate? Because you can be influential for Jesus and not be intimate with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what that's going to make you. It'll make you what I was. It'll make you a perfect performer. You're trying to get another thumb on your post. But we haven't heard the secret whispers that only come from still waters. The way church is supposed to be a community of people who know what it means to live in proximity to Jesus every single day. Listen, no, every single day. The way church exists to be a family living together in devotion whose sole purpose is to host the presence of the Lord in our city, not in a church building, in our city, in our homes, in our marketplaces where we shop, where we do life, where we work. We live fully aware of the God who's always aware of us. Are we more in the presence of Jesus in this room than we are when you're at Crest? No. Are we more in the presence of God in this room than you are when you're at, say, Home Depot? No. We are people who only find life in the presence of God. Man, the early church, listen, guys. I love this scripture. Remember this? Acts 17, 28. In him we live, we move, we have our being. In him we live, we move, we have our being. When are we ever not in him? The truth is we're never not in him. And if we are going to be captivating to the people around us, to the community around us, if we're going to have an irresistible appeal, we better have someone that's irresistible. I'll never forget my father-in-law in our staff meeting we were having one time at the gate. He read this, um, this study. They had did a study. It was somewhere overseas. I want to say it was like Germany or somewhere, which is a, a really dark country in terms of faith. 
and they were trying everything they could to get people to come to church. And it was like five to seven things they listed about things that they were giving away to try to get people to come to church. And I just remember one was a, I don't remember what kind of candy bar, but the biggest thing that they got them with in Germany was candy bars. I'm like, that'll never work in America. Like, Snickers doesn't matter. We're not coming, right? But I thought, have we tried Jesus? <laughs> Give away gas cards? Just all kind of stuff. But have we tried Jesus? Listen to this. The minor prophet calls Jesus the desire of the ages or the desire of the nations. And then Jesus says, go and disciple nations. He was literally saying, I'm giving you myself, which I am the desire of the nations. I'm giving you what nations want. Now go disciple them because you have what they want. They just don't know they want it yet. How many of you guys ever been to Sam's? I've never been to Costco's. I need to go. I'm assuming Costco's does the same thing. You ever been walking down like the aisle at Sam's, right? And they always have, I always say they have somebody 137 years old. It's amazing. And they're giving out like some kind of food. Because you can't tell them no. A young person, you'd be like, Psh. But they got Miss Modest in there. Right, right, right. <laughs> you can't tell them no. Do you want to try, you know, this brand new turkey raccoon sausage? And you're like, yeah, I think I think I will. I think I will. And, and, and you didn't go there wanting turkey raccoon sausage. But they gave you a sample of some turkey raccoon sausage, Robert. And then, you know, you got to stand there and eat it. And they're just looking at you like. And they're going to say something like, do you, do you like it? And you really want to say, no, no, I don't like it. But you kind of got to say yes. Well, if you want some, it's down, it's down aisle five on, on the left. Like, I'm really going to buy the turkey raccoon sausage. You know what they did? They created an appetite. Try to anyway. They, they created an appetite in you for something you didn't even know you wanted when you woke up that day. They tried to create in you an appetite for something you wanted that you didn't even know you wanted when you woke up that day. You went, you went there to buy 10 things of Clorox. And now you're buying raccoon sausage. Why? Because you tasted something and they hoped it was good to your palate. Like, oh, I think I'll get this while I'm here too. You know what the scripture says? Psalms 34, he says this. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is. How do you taste the Lord? How, how are we going to be irresistible? How do you taste the Lord? You know what people want? They want to taste something. Our culture wants to taste something. I'm going to tell you how you taste the Lord. You have in your life what the scripture calls nine gifts of the spirit, but you have what not a lot of churches talk about. There's also nine fruit of the spirit. When I get around Aaron and Alyssa and I get around Malik and we're talking and the fruit of the spirit is coming up, I taste that fruit. And when I taste the fruit of the spirit on your life, I just tasted Jesus. It's the fruit of the spirit of Christ. Listen, so if our culture and community around us are going to taste Jesus, they're not going to, it's not going to come because Jesus is flying down, you know, and saying, look, taste this. It's no, it's coming through his church, which we are. See, it takes the church to complicate the kingdom. It takes the church to successfully hide Jesus. And I'm telling you, we do a really good job of it. Lindsay and I have a neighbor 
named Ashley that we love dearly. She might be here today. I love her son. His name is Kaiser, and he's awesome. I just, I, you know, we've built a pretty good relationship with them. Really, we just serve them. We, we keep Kaizen for about an hour or so, an hour and a half after school every single day. So her mom wouldn't have to drive up and keep him. And once we were neighbors and built a little bit of a relationship, he would come over. And she finally said, hey, would you guys mind watching, uh, you know, Kaizen for a little bit? Yes, we would. I do it, one, because we love them. I love Kaizen. He's extremely funny. He's, he's a goof troop. He's just like me. He says bro about everything. He's like, bro, hey, bro. Bro, I'm a bro guy. I don't know if I was, anyway, bro, 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 bro. That's Kaizen. But I'm watching as we serve them, Jason. She's tasting fruit now. She's been to church, I don't know, maybe not quite 10 times in the last six months, but she's tasting fruit now. I watched on a post that we made for something we were doing a couple months back, she's like, man, I would love to go to that, but I'm gone. But, but, but she's tasting fruit now. She's tasting fruit. She's tasting fruit. I got another neighbor that stays, if you're walking out of my front door, he stays to my left. He's the guy when you hear me tell the trash can stories. It's always, he's the guy. I love taking his trash cans up. Sometimes I forget. And I'm like, man, I forgot to get his trash cans. I've had the best conversations about Christ over a trash can. Not at church, over a trash can. Usually if I catch him in the morning without fail, he'll say, he'll say, what's the word for today? I'll be like, oh man, did I read this morning? Oh God, what's the word? Let me go back through my Rolodex of Bible verses. And he'll say, no, like, well, like, what have you been hearing the Lord say? And we'll have a little conversation. And he's tasting fruit now. Recently, uh, a few weeks back, I don't, I don't know, somebody was leaving out of his house and they were saying some terms I can't say in church. They were fussing outside of his house early in the morning, like seven o'clock early. Just cussing, cussing loud. I mean, just going to get it. And he sends me a message. He said, I saw you outside, man. I apologize for what you heard that young man say. I said, hey, no sweat. Can I, can I pray with you about anything? Actually, yeah, you can. Can you pray, pray with me about this? I could have said, well, bless God, brother. You know I'm a Christian and I got kids in this house and, and you're out here cussing, you filthy heathen, and I ain't going to pray. I pray that God moves you out of the neighborhood. <laughs> what kind of fruit would that have been? Now, now, my man Tyrus has never come to church. He's never paid tithes here, but he's tasting some fruit, though, now. And my goal isn't to get him to come to the way church. Because the goal of being a Christian, watch this, is not to become a soul winner. I read this quote this week posted by Casey Doss, who was quoting Chris Green. And Chris Green says, and I absolutely adore this. The goal of being a Christian is not to try to convert people to Christianity. Are you ready for this? It's actually to be Christ to our communities. Because as long as our hook is, I got you, they'll catch on to that in a heartbeat. But when you love them, when they've had nasty attitudes, come on, somebody. When you love them, when they've had filthy language, when you love them, when they've done nothing for you, ultimately they'll say, I did nothing for that person, but they love me anyway. Gee, that sounds a lot like we're getting it, maybe. We're getting it lately. And maybe our communities know, well, you're really just trying to get me to go to church so you can pad the numbers. Because y'all know churches don't do that around here, right? In the early church, they followed this man, Jesus, around for three and a half years and watched him love on people that were nothing like him. And you know my famous quote, right? 
people that were nothing like Jesus loved Jesus, and Jesus loved people that were nothing like him. Man, the gospel's good. This ragtag bunch of people who have followed Jesus for three and a half years, I mean, we know the crowd got to several thousand, then it would drop. It would get several thousand, then Jesus would come and say something crazy. I'm like, Jesus, you can build a really good church here. Don't say nothing else stupid. You're good. He would say, there's a lot of people here that just here for the bread and the fish. I got to do something. Um, if you really want to follow me, I want you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, nope. Waco, Texas right here. Nope, I'm gone. I'm gone. Just, just Google that. You'll be blessed. Trust me. Like, nope. I'm like, Jesus, you had, a, you, you, you had a good ministry. It was America. You had it. And then you said something crazy, and the people are like, and then, and, and the Bible says the disciples began to look at each other, and they said, this is in the Bible, and they said, that is a hard saying. We, we can't do it. And it says many of his disciples or followers left. And then he looks at the 12. I think John 6. And he says, are you going to go too? And Simon Peter says, to whom shall we go? He said, you alone, you have the words of life. When you speak, it moves me. So I don't know, I don't understand this eat my flesh, drink my blood stuff. But boy, now on the other side of the cross, man, I hear the glory of communion in there. So yeah, I will gladly eat your flesh and I will gladly drink your blood. Yes, I will gladly enter into divine communion with you. Yes, I will gladly be a part of that great dance with you. This ragtag bunch of men, Jesus has died, been laid in a borrowed tomb and rose, resurrected in three days. And he gives them the command, go to Jerusalem and stay there until you be endued with power from on high. They go not knowing that's a crazy promise from the Lord. They didn't know what the promise was going to look like. By this time, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says 500 people saw Jesus alive after his resurrection. So possibly we believe at least 500 people heard this. But only 120 gather. 500 heard go and wait, but 120 gather. What happened to the other 380 people? One guy I was reading said this. He says he believed they went and started powerless ministries. In the, you understand that in the new covenant, there is no such thing as a church that wasn't spirit filled. I bless you with that revelation. There wasn't a church that wasn't spirit-filled. 120 go, and they are there for 10 days before anything happens. I'm trying to get people to come to our prayer, which, by the way, is every second Friday night of the month. If I can get 20, it'll be a victory for me for one hour. They're there 10 days and nothing. But on day 10, see, in the old covenant, the Spirit of God, I'm never going to get through this, the Spirit of God... In the, in, the, in the night when leading them through the wilderness, he was this massive flame. He was big enough to heat over two to three million people at one time in the desert at nighttime. That same flame, which was the spirit of God, came in that upper room as one massive flame. Because there was only one flame in the old covenant. The nation had one flame. 
But God, because of the new covenant, was fixing to do something uniquely different. He was fixing to pour his spirit out, not just on a nation, but every man and every woman can get to play in the goodness of God now. And that one flame divided itself up into an individual hundred different flames. And do you know what happens when you mix wind and fire? So wind starts blowing in the room and fire starts. This one flame comes and it divides and it starts setting on people. And then tongues from all over from other nations starts erupting out of these. They're only Galileans. They didn't have Rosetta Stone, but they start speaking languages that they never went to school to learn. And you hear, and, it's, and over here, somebody else is speaking in another. And over here, somebody else is speaking at another tongue. Remember, this is the day of Pentecost, 40 days after Passover. So there are literally thousands and multiplied tens of thousands of people that would have been in Jerusalem at this time from other nations. Devout men in Jerusalem. Men of stature. Men who have authority. Men who have renown. Men of renown. And they're like, what is coming from that room? What is happening? There's wind, there's fire. I hear strange noises, but the church was being born. Can I tell you something? The church was born in what looked like chaos. The church was born in what looked like chaos, but the church was also born in fire. And the church was born, Mallory, in prayer. You could say intercession. And Peter stumbles out of the room and he hears people asking these questions. What in the world's going on? And Peter says, let me give some definition to what you see. I know you think we're drunk. We're not drunk. Can I ask you something? Their culture didn't have a clue what they were doing inside of that building that day. Do you think people driving down the street really know what we're doing? What make the people that don't know to them? We might be Jehovah's Witnesses. I am a witness for Jehovah. Let's get that right. Which many of them do a better job witnessing than we do. Literally. I mean, don't, we'll get on the Mormon brothers here in a minute, but just they, they out. They out. Peter steps out and he wants to speak to his culture because they have questions about what just happened. And I want you to know, people outside of the kingdom have questions, some of which I don't have an answer to. But my job is not to try to give an answer for every single question. It is to be love. It is to be Christ to them. Watch this. Watch this. They spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Is Kaylee still back there? Okay, I see the tip of your, tip of your forehead, Kaylee. I know you're back there with me. Put this up. Put verse 6 of Acts chapter 2. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is going to be good stuff here. Acts chapter 2, verse 6. Write this down. We have to speak a language that our culture understands. Come on. We have to speak a language that our culture understands. Acts chapter 2, verse 6. We have to speak a language that our culture understands. Let me read this to you. You ready for this? And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his what? Own language. Now look at verse 8. And they said, how is it possible that we hear each one of us in our own native language, we hear them speaking the wonderful works of God? What? Listen, I've been around Christians that scare me. If, you, if you're one of those people, like if you see me in Walmart and you come up to me and you're like, oh, bu, 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 Pastor Jones, I'm going to probably go down the next aisle. I'm probably going to do that unless it's really the Lord. But you know religious people? Like they speak, 
They speak, they're fluent in what I call Christianese. How you, how you doing, Juan? I'm blessed and highly favored. You know you're not. You know your marriage is struggling. You had a rough time at work. Just tell me that. Be authentic. I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field, brother. Well, you know, brother, when praises go up. <laughs> and I'm going down the other aisle. See you. Peace out. Peace. We speak Christianese, but the early church on day one as babes spoke a language that their culture understood. And they were able to speak in the native language of their culture. What were they talking about? I believe it's verse 8 said they were speaking on the wonderful works of God. So that means... If you're like me one time standing at that little bridge in front of the Harkins Theater getting ready to pray for a guy that told me he was atheist because we were leading teams downtown to just to pray for people. And he said, I'm not atheist. And he says, I don't believe that effing stuff. I can't come to him and say, you know, I'm trying to be, what would Christianese be? Well, glory to God, brother. You know what, brother? I'm telling you, I feel the presence of God. He's about to rest on you and people about to get slain all around here, brother. If you tell somebody on the street that don't understand church, hey, come to my church service, man. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is falling and people are getting slain and fire is happening, bro. And it's going to be powerful. They're going to sound. You know what that sounds like? You just told me a ghost was in your building. People are getting slain and fires there. Sounds like y'all having a protest outside of church. I'm gone. <laughs> Speak in a language that the culture understands. Try talking without saying amen, brother. Y'all don't know. Y'all know. I'm trying to be really nice because my wife's in here. But I, 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 when I, I'm not even going to look her direction. I get around people. <laughs> I go to churches to speak sometime. And, you know, this is the mand with a D. The mand of God. G-A-W-D. I'm like, bro, I'm scared of you, man. You got a title. I mean, that's like, <laughs> you are the mand of God. No, I, I just want to be a son. Watch this. Who manifests his father. Because the culture is not attracted to weird people. But you can be authentic and they'll actually desire who you are. They spoke to their culture in a language that they understood. So, you know, when you're out with your friends, that don't mean you change. I'm just saying, like, be who you are. Because God will always anoint the authentic you. The greatest anointing on the planet are reserved for people who are authentically themselves and care to manifest Jesus and not themselves. I'm going to say it again. The greatest anointing on the planet is reserved for people who want to be authentically themselves and manifest Jesus and not themselves. Be who you are. So, you know what? If, you, if you're a bartender, man, be Jesus in the bar. If you're a mechanic, be Jesus at the auto mechanic. Why? Speak in a language. Don't go in there saying, you know what, man, I opened up my strong concordance last night and number 5222 in the Hebrew, this word means this. They're going to be like, man, I don't give a rip what your strong concordance says. <laughs> how, so how do we witness to the, I mean, serious, like I've, I'm bothered by my own religiousness. Can I tell you what I'm really bothered by? I'm bothered by the fact that sometimes when I'm out in public, if I get in my own feelings, I'll say, well, I'm, I'm, at a, I'm at a convenience store, so I probably shouldn't do this. Has that ever happened to anybody? But the church was born in a room, but watch this, but instantly it fell into the streets. 
Where are we supposed to be? <laughs> it was born in a room. Come on. We were born in a room. Some of us. I ain't going to say nothing where we were conceived at, but we were, most of us were born in a room. <laughs> but we fell in the streets. We live on the move. And for some reason, church revolves around for us 1030 to 1230 or whatever the church time is where we come from. And we're like, wonder why, gee, why people aren't attracted to us. One, we don't speak their language. Two, we don't live out this life where they are. We have this mindset of we got to get people here. No, two-thirds of God is go. It's the, you can call it the great go mission. Go. Go into Jerusalem. Go into Judea. Go into Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Go, says Jesus, through the church. Through the church. Can we brag about the wonderful works of God to our community in a language they understand? I, last week, was it last week I went to the eye doctor, babe? Was it last week? Well, no, whenever the snow was here. I went to the eye doctor right across the street from my house, and I'm in there, and, um, you know, once again, the people always ask what I'm doing, so I try, you know what, I, I serve at a church down the street. Where's your church? I tell her where the church is. I don't even like it when they ask me where the church is, but I, t- I tell them where the church is. We get into a conversation, and so just, you know, I just start talking about what we're doing and what I'm feeling and what I'm reading. And so she has a little girl there with her, like a little girl. And I said, um, she like, she like Mickey Mouse? She's like, oh, yeah, she loves Mickey Mouse. <laughs> okay, I got this. The little girl walks around the corner, and I say, oh, boy. She, listen, listen, she comes she come around the corner, she's like. <laughs> For probably 10 minutes, she had no clue it was me. She's walking, she'd walk off. I thought her name was Mackenzie. I'd be like, oh, Mackenzie. She's like running around like, oh. <laughs> and finally, I let her see me do it. I'm like, you want to go to my clubhouse and play? And she's just like. <laughs> looking at her. She would look at her mom and look at me like. <laughs> Had I said anything, I mean, I hadn't like given like a sermon about Jesus or nothing. You know, at the end of that conversation, not, not her mom, but the other lady that was like, gave me my box to go around and get the glasses that I wanted. She said, will you tell me a little bit more about your church? God can speak through Mickey Mouse. Like, I was just trying to be goodness to a little girl, right? And then I, I called my wife on, on uh, I almost said Facebook, FaceTime. And I had on, I call them the Carl Lentz glasses. If, if you know what they are, you know what they are. If you know, you know. And I put these on. I'm like, babe, these look like Carl Lentz glasses. And the lady in there says, I know who Carl Lentz is. We got, had another church conversation. That, that one didn't go the way I intended it to go, but we had another, another conversation. And she says, where do you go to church at again? And the little girl comes back out, and I, and I start talking to Mick. And I'm just thinking, you know what? It's a lot. It's not as difficult as we make it. It's not as difficult as we make it. Speak in a language that they understand. And do it with power and authority. Come on, Taylor, back to the keys, man. We're almost done. I'm going to end early. Look at, look at, glory to God. My wife's like, thank you, Jesus. Probably running low on animal crackers in the back or whatever we feed our kids. We've got to get out. Hey, you know what? You can have kids' church if you have goldfish. It's universal. That's, goldfish is somewhere in the Greek. I just got to find it, but I know it's in there. 
You know what? You know what they said? It says this in verse 11. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all perplexed, verse 12, saying to one another, what does this mean? Watch this. The way they were living and what they were speaking created godly questions from the culture. I want to ask you this. Does not you, our, me too, does our life create questions in our culture? Like seriously, does it create questions in the culture? Man, my wife was preaching one time at our youth conference. I'll never forget this. Man, what a powerful quote. She said they can't take prayer out of school because they can't take you out of school. Wherever you are, Jesus is there. Now, we may have him hidden. So for me in Twin Oaks, Jesus is in Twin Oaks, man, because I'm there, right? With me. Does my life create questions to people around me? Or do I just want to be around other Christians? This is a big challenge for us today, man. It's a big challenge for us. It was born in a room, fell into the streets, made their culture ask questions while speaking a language they understood. But not only did they have questions, Peter stood up and said, hey, I do have an answer for that one. And he reached back in the scripture. He said, this is that, <laughs> that Joel, O.L. talked about. Where God said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. On all flesh. I remember September of 2001, being in my living room. It's after midnight in North Carolina. And I got my knees on the floor. I remember specifically having my elbows on this chair that we had. And I said, God, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be filled with your spirit. Because that's how I was taught. You had to cry. You had to tarry. You had to cry. You had to tarry. I want to be filled with your spirit. I really didn't know that he'd honestly given me a spirit. He'd already poured it out. They tarried because it hadn't been poured out yet. We don't have to tarry no more. And it, being filled with God's spirit has absolutely nothing to do with what you feel. Has everything to do with what you believe he's done for you. And I remember once that hit my belly, because I mean, I was doing everything, man. I was trying to speak in tongues. I was trying to feel something. I was, I don't know. I was trying to do everything. Versus just simply receiving what he had done. And in my living room, the Spirit of God for me that night in a tangible way came upon me. And I remember the first time praying in a heavenly language. And to this day, I still pray in a heavenly language a little bit every day. I don't pray for hours every day. But I do pray in my heavenly language a little bit every day. And Peter said, this thing that's happening right now, this isn't wine talking, guys. Oh, it's wine, but it, this is new wine. This is, this is heaven born. This is what Joel prophesied. So we've got to learn to reach back into the scripture when we do and give answers, watch this, that are scripture based to our culture and say this is what was prophesied several hundred years earlier. What you see this is the outpouring of God's spirit on all flesh. I love getting around people. I don't know why when I'm around you I just feel you know what you're feeling the outpouring. 
That's what you're feeling, but, but nobody's ever told you that. That's what you're feeling. You're feeling the outpouring. You're feeling the outpouring. They caused questions. They gave answers. It was born in the room, but it quickly fell into the streets. And you don't read anywhere else where the church was meant to go back in the room again. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13? He says, you are the salt of the what? Earth. Salt, as long as it remains in the salt shaker, affects nothing. We come to church and we salt each other. But salt has to be poured out of the salt shaker. That's why if we'll even let God, if we won't come out of the salt shaker, he says, I'll let COVID get you out. No, 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 no. You, salt has to be shaken out. Sometimes we got to be shaken out of our places of complacency. Because sometimes comfort is killing us. Myself included. But God, I'll shake you out. I'll shake you out. But my father-in-law used to say this. He said, salt affects everything it touches, but yet is affected by nothing. When salt touches beef, do they say, boy, that's some beefy salt? No. They say, that's what? You and I are made to impact and affect everything we touch. Everything. So God wants to take a Matthew Louder or a Peter Gaskill or Tim Gaskill. And he wants to take the seasoning of his life that's on yours. And he wants to put you around some people that have a bland life. He wants to take Robert Spencer in your organization. He says, Robert, I'm going to send you to Texas this week now. Driving trucks. And I'm going to let you meet somebody. And I want, the, I want you to let the season of me that's on your life get on them. And he says, I'm going to sprinkle you there. You are the salt of the earth. Then he says this, you are a city set on a what? Hill. <laughs> you can't be hidden. Come on, stand to your feet with me. I feel in my heart today a boldness to make some declarations. I, you know what? I want, I want to give you permission, man, to go again. The early church was a people that were spirit-filled and they believed it. People of fire and people of wind. I want to pray for some people. I'm going to do something. I haven't done this yet, but I feel led in my heart to do it. We will pray for anything that you have need of today. You know why? Because I believe the Spirit of God wants to trump or conquer anything that's trying to conquer you. And sometimes you just need people to agree with you. That's going to happen. But also, if you don't have confidence that the Spirit of God has been poured out in your life and you want to be confident about that, we would love to pray with you. And all we'll do is lay hands on you and just say, Holy Spirit, fill them. I promise you, I will try to keep my faith as, as all, much and as often as I can as simple as possible. I don't want to complicate it with this crazy prayer. I just want to say, Holy Spirit, thank you. Fill them in Jesus' name. He's never seen one hungry person that he didn't give more of himself to because that's always his desire. If you're in this room right now and you want, watch this, and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a tangible, evidential way, I want you to get up out of your seat and come right now. I'm telling you, He wants to empower you, endue you with Himself because you are supposed to be creating questions in the culture. Come on, if that's you, I want you to get out of your seat and come right now. Likewise, if there's anything else in your life you want to be ministered to and have somebody pray with you about, come on, just get out of your seat. I'm telling you, miracles are in the room right now in Jesus' name.
If that's not you, I want to give you permission. I want our team to play, and we're going to minister to people for a little bit. But if that's not you, I want to give you permission to be released. Go get your kids. Have an amazing evening. Lindsay and I love you. Our whole team, we love you. And I look forward to seeing you all next week. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.